So, Gorillaz. My first experience of listening to them was back in 2001. I did actually buy their debut album, which is the self-titled one. And I listened to it quite a lot back then. Um, Demon Days, I listened to a fair bit. Uh, Plastic Beach, I only listened to once. This is back then when it actually came out. Obviously, in preparation for this podcast, I've listened to it repeatedly. Initially, I found the whole Gorillaz project quite jarring and that was singularly down to Damon Albarn because he was so famous in his blur capacity that you put him behind this and kind of mix in trip hop hip hop all these kind of other genres that he we weren't really used to him being in and um, yeah it was quite a strange experience plus you know you've got the artwork as well however I quickly got it and really began to become quite a fan of the gorillas um Unfortunately, I never made it to any of their live shows, which is a massive regret of mine. Yeah, now, I went to, to be one. honest. You did? Yeah. I went to a Plastic wow. Beach concert. I'll tell you about that one. I went to a Plastic okay, Beach concert, we'll, yeah. We'll definitely have to come to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, they are a really kind of groundbreaking group and super clever. It's a brilliant idea. The visuals were astounding as well. Um, now that's pretty much my kind of two-minute hot take on the gorillas. How about you? I think the first time I heard Gorillaz was um it was being, but me and a bunch of my friends were sitting in the basement watching MTV, and then the uh, Clint Eastwood video came on, so we're looking at him like, what the hell is this? And then I I never forget this moment where he goes, and my one friend was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then we're watching the whole video, and you don't know what to make of it because it's like okay, they're dancing around the graveyard, baboons all around. And he's talking, and it's like the song is called Clint Eastwood, but like, why is this called Clint Eastwood? He's not even talking about Clint Eastwood and Sunshine in the Bag and blah 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 and yada yada. So at the end of the video, everybody's in, everybody in the basement is looking around like, okay, what the fuck was that? And then everybody goes about the normal day. So for me, it kind of like stuck in my head a little bit. So I'm, I'm so I'm working at my job, blah blah, blah. and then I go into a record store and I'm like looking at the, C- the CD package and stuff like that. And I just pick this up. So I go to the um, the seller and she goes. This is a really great album, except for that one song, Punk. It's like it's not like trip hoppy or whatever like that. And she was like that. So I was like, okay, so usually back in the day I, I would take a risk on certain things. I mean I still take risks now, but even more so back then because you're young. So I picked it up and I listened to it. And my thing always is with music. I'm always looking for like people who could take different genres and like mash them up together in like interesting ways. But at the same time, still maintain like a pop structure because I think you. I, I always, always believe that you can still do weird stuff and keep it in some kind of like structure as compared to like people who are just like uh, it's going to sound kind of bad. But when it's like artistic circle jerkery, where it's like I'm doing art, 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 art. You know what I'm trying to say? That those kind of people, where it's like yeah. you're just doing like 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 chords for no reason, and it's like just throwing them any, everywhere. I'm like, okay, I got that. But um. But listening to the Gorillas, it was just like after I heard that one, especially um, IG, um, I forgot what was it, IG two thousand, it was ninety nine, IG two thousand, it's IG two thousand, where he goes, uh, is it IG two thousand or nineteen two thousand? Nineteen two thousand, nineteen two thousand. I keep because yeah. you know when I look on when I look on the back of the damn album with the, with the spray painting style, <laughs> it looks like that or something like that. I'm like, what the hell? So um, the whole get the cool shoe shine, I was saying that for days, man. My brother yeah. would smack the shit out of me. Oh, and uh, here's the other funny thing is that um, because in America, not many of us knew about Blur. The only thing we knew was that song, two song. Yeah. Woo-hoo. 
But even then, we didn't know who the band was. We just thought it was like, okay, the riff. Even though I heard later on, he was like, he was mocking kind of like those bands over there with that song, I guess, mm. with that kind of situation. So we didn't really know anything about um, Damon Arbarn or Blur or anything like that. But I do know that new school rap fans were not too fond of um, of um, Dull the Funky Homo, funky homo Sapien because of his vocal thing, like with that Rock the House. With the like his flow is not, it was so not 1999 at that point kind of situation right there so yeah. so that's my inter- my introduction to it i just like i liked it from the from the bat pretty much well i mean they, they had massive exposure over here in the uk massive really was, yeah they had a hell of a lot of promotion they were kind of leaked effectively leading up to the whole album over a course of months and everyone pretty much knew who gorillas were Basically, I mean, Blur are huge over here. Mm-hmm. I don't, it may have escaped you over there because most people don't really know who Oasis are over there either. We know Oasis more than we know because we knew Wonderwall and Champagne Supernova and all that stuff like that. But um, So yeah. with those albums, with that album in particular from Oasis, um, which was What's the Story, Morning Glory, that and Blur's album, uh, Parklife, I think it was, were released on the same day in the UK in 1996 or 5. And it was the Battle of Britain. So it was like <laughs> the biggest thing for 30 years since the Rolling Stones versus the Beatles and all this kind of stuff, right? And so Blur were absolutely huge. And, and actually, I mean, Christ, if you listen to their greatest hits, their greatest hits is bulletproof. It's absolutely astounding. Even artistically, forget singles, you know. Okay. So Damon Albarn was coming off. And also, if we're going to bring everything back to MIA, because why not? He was <laughs> uh, dating Justine Frischman, who ended up mentoring MIA initially. Mm-hmm. Now, if we get into their first album, which is the self-titled Gorillas from 2001. Yes. Now, for me, I won't give that much of an opinion on the album. I'll just say, basically, it's a very consistent listen from start to finish. It has quite a, a unique sound but one that's carried through. It's not really that different one track from another. No. um, With the exception of a couple of tracks, probably. Um, What I'll do... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hey, that's one of my five tracks. So I'm going to go through five key tracks, right? Although it will kind of be six, actually, in the end. Uh, Clint Eastwood is the first one, so I'm glad that you mentioned that in your opening gambit. That one is an astounding track. There were actually... Well, there are kind of three versions because initially they had a UK rap group on there. However, they got chucked off for the album for in favour of Del the Funky Homo Sapien, who I think absolutely killed it on this track. But <laughs> you listen to that verse now, you're like, oh yeah, wow, astonishing. You know, I kind of. You know, I, I rocked a few joints from that dude, um, but I never was really kind of like super into him, but he he brought it on this track. He absolutely did. And Clint Eastwood is one of those songs that, again, like you were saying, nothing quite makes sense and that's what grabs your attention. Um, the funny thing is, is that that was a big track in the UK. However, what really got that track a lot of traction is that there was a garage remix of it by someone called Ed Case, who was a garage producer, who was most famous for a song called uh, Something In Your Eyes that I used to dance to as a 19-year-old. And uh, there was a dude called Sweetie Irie uh, who was doing the um, 
the kind of garage vocals on it instead of you know del homo sapien um so i think the the tempo is probably about 130 bpm classic garage song and it was huge absolutely huge um it, it took the original track so intelligently and it was perfect it's still chopped in damon orban's vocals and stuff it's, it's brilliant i don't think you guys probably would have got it over there on your version uh, but it I, is, it's the first time i heard about it Okay, so it is officially on the UK version as one of the bonus tracks. Okay. Uh, it's just classic, absolute classic, brilliant song. Um, the next one I was going to go for is Rock the House, which um, with those horns are just made. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And um, it's one of those kind of songs that I'd say, you know, when you've kind of got one of those lounges like a cocktail lounge which in the yeah. time, <laughs> students go to that kind of thing you know i think we had one back when i was at uni called lizard lounge or something it's that kind of track that you can just imagine being on a playlist in in a kind of you know student kind of place basically yeah. um but the instrumental is astonishing the trumpets that song was big over there rock the, well, rock, the, rock the house is the kind of song that was included in so many tv shows as like an instrumental for really? what wow. yeah what what the reporter was kind of talking over or whatever that kind of thing like today you know price of butter is going up and blah blah, blah all that kind of stuff so they, they would kind of segue over this track um not not the rapping obviously but the actual instruments yeah we barely heard it over here i didn't even see that video until i bought the uh the the uh video set of the, of the videos and all the different concerts and stuff like that there was like a couple of um like like a phase one like dvd set that was like a, a bunch of their videos and outtakes and rarities and stuff like that but that right. song was like very, rarely on mtv on, over okay. here at least <clears throat> the next track i was going to go for is tomorrow comes today um which is a very interesting one i mean i mm-hmm. don't know what your thoughts were on that i love that song it yeah. reminds me it kind of reminds me of like a it's probably like it, it's going. It's kind of sounds kind of weird. It's like kind of like a like a dingy New Yorky kind of feel to me. I think personally, like that old school hip hop. That that I feel like it's like a you you can walk the cold streets of New York, kind of like just looking around, like one of them like lonely nights with a couple of your friends. Nobody's really talking, just walking through the streets. It's kind of got like that. It's kind of like it's kind of like sad and em- it's kind of like sad and like wistful but at the same time it's like it's, it's moving you it's kind of like a nice groove to it kind of thing like that yeah it's it's got a real cinematic feel to yeah, it isn't it exactly yeah which is something that plays into the gorillas kind of shtick mm-hmm. and you can kind of imagine what the the artwork to it might have been within a video you know like yeah. really kind of moving oh you didn't see the video for, you didn't see you no see the video for I, it? I haven't actually seen the video for it no <laughs> um the fourth one i was going to go for is punk because I just love that. I love it. I mean, uh, it's not even the song itself that I love. It's just that it comes along. It's so short. And it's it's not a skit. It's not a song. It's somewhere in between. And it's a real breath of fresh air for the album. Because, like I said, the rest of the album is, it is a little bit samey at times. Which is fine, because it sets a mood. It's the kind of... I always thought with this album, it's the kind of one where if you're playing on your PlayStation... It's a, it's a mood. It's a mood album. Yeah. This is the kind of one when you're you're on your PlayStation with your boys and you'd leave this on and just let it rock out on repeat, basically. Um, I will say about Punk, I feel like there's there's like there's like a sequel of sorts on the next two albums for that one, kind of like that out of nowhere kind of hectic kind of feel kind of thing like that. I think there's one on, on Demon Days, another one on uh, 
on Plastic Beach. They're kind of like out of nowhere. Like, where the hell did this thing come from? Yeah. That thing right there. Kind of the feel yeah. thing. But I love it. Yeah. And the last one is 192000, mm. which is just so bouncy, <laughs> so alive. The instrumental. I mean, mm. I could just listen to the instrumental. To be Let me ask you a question about that song. You heard yeah. the remix of that, right? Which the, remix? The, the Soul Child remix? Oh, yeah, so that's at the end. That's actually so. There's two bonus tracks on the UK version of the album. Okay, one is the garage remix of Clint Eastwood, and the other one is um, the Soul Child remix. So, which one do you prefer? Oh, the the album version. By the album version. Do you yeah. do you like the Soul Child version or is yeah, like just- it's it's cool. It's cool. Um, I guess I just I think there's such a unique energy to the album version. Um, and I guess it just kind of got in my head. And that was a huge track here as well, actually. To be honest, pretty much all the singles were huge here, pretty much. So Yeah. We we yeah. got we had got just um, basically the big ones over here were basically Clint Eastwood and it was um, 192000. That's the, the twos right here. I mean, okay. Tomorrow Come Today, I didn't even know that was a video until, I, like I said, once again, the DVD box set came out. And then... Uh, Basically, it was like, because here's the thing with, with Gorillaz over here. Most people still didn't know what the hell to make out of them. Because they, they didn't really hit the big time over here until the next album. But we'll get to, I, I, I could pretty, you can pretty much guess what single that's going to be, the one that blew up in America. But, yeah. um, but yeah, it was like they were still kind of like on that, that thing. Because I used to play, like, okay, so talking about other songs besides the one you talked about. Yeah. The one, you, can, um, you can feel, go, yeah. go for the whole album now if you want. I, I, I remember, because I always have this thing talking about going back to the M.I. albums. There's certain songs that I like annoying people with, and then there, and, then, and there's one song on here, M1A1. Hello, is anyone there? Hello. So me and my brother would be playing Tony Hawk, and all I would do is just like play that part. And, he, and so as soon as we get to like the part where the song comes up, I would just hit, re, I, I would hit replay and just go up there. Hello, is anyone there? And he would get pissed the hell off. But then, all right, so, so aside from that part, he was in one and la la la. I, the energy off of that is crazy. That one, I I love the energy off of that song. It's like I just get so hyped when I hear that. It's like it's kind of like the realization of punk. It's like the punk was kind of like the warm up. And then, like, M1A1 is, like, near the end of the album, so it, like, goes all the way in full sing to go out there. And I kind of sense yeah. right there. I love that one. And then the other one I can think of is uh, Latin Simone. Oh, yes. really? Are you, are you... See, that's one of the tracks that annoys what? me, actually. Yeah. As in, like, it didn't initially annoy me. Initially, I was kind of like, oh, that's nice. But then after a while, the more I heard it, I was like, oh, I don't know. That... I love Latin Simone, man. I love oh, that one. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, and then there's something about it that just oh, it me up the wrong. Did you, way, how, 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 how about the version where he? Wrong, but how, how, I think about, I heard how about the one, the version where he sings and not not the guy? So there's a version where 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 Damon sings it on. Uh, it's not on the album, but it's on the G sides, where it's like the it's like the B sides. No, I haven't heard. Yeah, that. he sings. He that. sings it. You might like that one better. You might. Yeah, yeah. maybe I would actually. And um, what's one more song I can think of? There's so many. I believe I'll say this one. I believe the the first half ha- has a mood that is like consistent, and then like the second half, he kind of like tries a little bit of things, but he doesn't go all the way with them. It was like there was a certain mood that came in all the way from uh, it's the rehash when it comes in and five fourth, and it comes like that feel like man research, all that stuff like that. Gravity. Oh, that's my other the other song that I know my brother is. Uh, Gravity. 
My brother would get so mad when I would play that song because he had no clue what the hell he was saying in that song. And then it comes in with that for the weekend. And what's the other song? What's the other, what's the instrumental song where he, it's an instrumental and then double yeah, bass? Yeah, and then at the and then the middle of it he starts saying, "What does he say in the middle of it?" He says something. I was like, it's like he was like, and then I was like, "What the hell are you talking about? You didn't say anything in the first half." And then he like says something and he breaks back <laughs> off. It's like so nonsensical. It's like. What are you talking about? And he goes dives right off into it, kind of thing. So let me ask you a question about about um, about how how did did Blur, did Blur fans have any feelings about the Gorillas when they first came out? This is the thing: is how you described it before is the first half kind of has a, a groove to it, right? And then it goes all crazy. I think that helped um, that helped kind of the Blur fans dip their toes into this album. So they'd kind of listen to the first kind of few songs and think, okay, okay, yeah, all right, there's some rapping on it, but otherwise it's kind of guitar-based with some interesting drums and the, and then Damon Albarn has quite a heavy part in it. And I think that kind of helped them get used to it before shit just went crazy, basically. Yeah. I mean, Blur were quite an experiment, uh, experimental band in so many ways, um, but I don't think they'd kind of, not in like a Radiohead kind of way, but... Um, in a very could they have gone the Radiohead away? Okay, no, right. I don't think so. Gotcha. No, um, I think they always had their eyes on kind of more. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit harsh for me to say, but they they kind of had their eyes on reliving the sixties and seventies. Um, and I think I'm kind of glad that Damon Albarn broke from them in order to do the Gorillas because I think he's expressed himself in a lot more ways than what he did. Oh before. yeah. Yeah. Um even even outside of Gorillas he's done a lot of interesting stuff. I'm like, like the good like the, like, 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 like the good the good the bad and the queen. What do you think yeah, about that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, that's not something that I've fallen in love with or anything, but okay. it's, um, it, you pre- it's you appreciate of, that he's willing to take risks. That's exactly it. Not that Radiohead haven't. Radiohead have taken a million Oh yeah, yeah. Oh know. my god. Yeah. Um but but Damon Albarn is someone that does want to take risks now, and you can tell within Blur. I think they always had a kind of different structure. So for the Americans over listening to this, um, so you would say like, okay, because he was already he, they already considered him respectful with, with Blur. The Gorilla took him to another level of respect because he was like they. It was, it was like one of the things where it's like the, the the lead singer broke off from the group, and the lead singer had another success. So is he legitimized as like a, some kind of like creative genius or something like that. Yeah, you know what I'm there, to say? there was a massive narrative to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether it's true or not is, is a different matter, but yeah. Did, it, did, did the other, did the other fans of blur like resent it or something like that? Or was that never like an open thing? <sighs> I don't think so. I mean, we're talking 15 years ago and blur really blurs first hit from memory was around 90 three or something like that um boys and girls boys and girls was their or girls and boys whichever one it was that was like their big initial hit which was a really kind of cheesy hit and then after that even though they weren't that cheesy a band but that was quite a cheesy hit um after that things kicked off for them in a massive way um but yeah i, I think you know the segue to gorillas was a complete left turn a complete okay left. nobody saw it coming nobody saw that coming. no not even slightly <laughs> So let's get so before we transfer over to um, Demon Days, let me ask you about how do people feel about uh, 2D Noodle, Russell, and Murdoch, like over there? Was there like a big thing where people like really into the characters, or were they more into the music over there? Were there like kind of like 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 gorilla heads or anything like that over there? 
I didn't know any gorilla heads, so I, I can't really say. Maybe there were, maybe there weren't. Um, okay. I think people more, more fo- uh, focused on the music and the visuals. Okay. Um, so, you know, listen, there, there might have been some gorilla heads out there. I don't know. But it, but it wasn't. But it wasn't like it wasn't like they like they weren't permitting like the like like the pop culture over in Britain. Like the people were like, okay, that's Noodle, that's Two D. No, no. Okay, no, no. okay, gotcha, gotcha. No, it's still because the thing is, Damon Albarn's voice is so distinctive. <laughs> It'll make right? a difference what cartoon you put him over. It's yeah, that's voice. exactly it. Gotcha. You know, it's you know, it's him. As soon as he comes on, you know, you know, it's him. And even that overrides the gorillas as well because you know, okay, you're like, all right, this is a cartoon band etc etc however you still know it's damon orban now everyone else associated with it um could easily be malleable into something else within that context but not damon orban i don't think so not in the uk not in the uk either yeah uh, i got lucky over here because i didn't know damon arbaron that much yeah so so i i kind of see to me i always like it when when people do weird off left center things so i kind of bought i was one because i remember critics always saying well, this cartoon storyline is ridiculous. But I'm like, you guys don't have any damn fun. I'm like, if the music is strong, then stick with the music. But don't complain. Because I, I hate when, sometimes I hate when certain critics who try to be smarter than everybody else. Or it's just childish. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, if you don't want to go along with the cartoon storyline, then don't go along with it. But I think that's kind of like funny. I mean, if they're saying something cheek, if they're being cheeky about it. And it's like, it's like, even in because I don't think anybody went to Gorilla talking about, we're going to make a serious artistic statement with the cartoons, or we're going to, like, be taking it seriously. And like, there's there's a kind of, like, jo- it's like a jokey joke, because I, I, I've heard somewhere that 2D was kind of, make, was kind of like a parody of Damon Albarn, kind of like that, that, yeah. that, yeah, that, that, that not, yeah. that, that, that strung out, that strung out lead singer who's not really that, that doesn't really make that much sense. Like, oh, man, I'm out, man, I'm out. Like, because when 2D talks. He doesn't make he doesn't really make any sense. Like he's not the leader. It's like Murdoch's like the Spring Galley. He's like the like the guy behind the scenes, like orchestrating stuff. And 2D just shows up. It's like, okay, is this Mike going? And he goes and kind of like gets out of there. So it's kind of like I've that's what I've read about them. It was kind of like a parody of him in a sense, I guess. So I don't yeah. think they were taking the cartoons too seriously. I thought the artwork is fantastic. If we were to talk about that guy Jamie Hewlett for a minute. Was he well known over there? Well, I tell you what, let's come to the artwork properly later because okay. then we're going to devote a whole section to that. Gotcha. Um, let, if we segue into um, their second album, which is from 2005 called Demon Days. Mm. So what's your two minute hot take on this album before I get into the key tracks? Yo, I let me tell you, <laughs> uh, th- th- let me tell you my hot take. I love the album when it first came out. People, people. Okay, I, I'll say this. People like most people like feel good because feel good was the was, was the hit. It was like an instant catchy hit. And um, but when I got the album, because I was already a Gorillaz fan by this point, I was like, damn, Gorillaz came out another album, and Feel Good came out, and then I picked it up. Let me tell you, when I heard it, I was like, damn, because it's because like it's the thing about Demon Days is this. It's not that it was like a left field. I was surprised how serious the music got in Demon Days as compared to um. Gorillas. Gorillas felt like okay. Yeah, this I used the used the cartoon band as a cover for kind of like doing experimental hip hop kind of trip hop stuff to jump in there. Mm. And then I think when he got the Demon Days, it felt like okay. Now that I got now that I got that system and I know I can bend stuff. Let me let me let me get really serious and really bend it together. And he, I think the thing with Demon Days compared to Gorillas is is that this is a cohesive statement from beginning to end. And like this is one of those albums where it's like, it's like the the, the singles work better in the album 
you might disagree with me. I think the singles work ten times stronger within the album than they do outside, even though they're great outside the album. That's my hot take on it so far. I think most of them, yeah. I think most of them. Um, if I get into the five key tracks from this, first up, I'd definitely go for Dirty Harry. Yes. Which is just so distinctive. <laughs> it's just so distinctive. You know, uh-huh. you haven't heard anything like that before. Just like how on the first one, uh, 19, um, 2000 is, is incredibly distinctive. This one is. This is kind of like that version of it, to be honest. Um, after that, I'd go for Feel Good Inc. because I think it's it's one of the greatest pop songs this century <laughs> well yeah i would go that far so yeah it is mm-hmm. one of the greatest but it was absolutely gigantic that song here yeah. it was huge it was on every it was at every single <laughs> club every single club night was playing it it didn't matter what, what genre that was every single <laughs> dj was playing that song uh-huh. and everyone was dancing to it and everyone knew it it went i think it went straight to number one if i wow. recall that properly yeah Bang, first week, number one. Um, after that, uh, Every Planet We Reach is Dead. I love that song. It's just, it's got such a languid feel to it, but it's really kind of, again, if we were talking about the on the first album, how um, Tomorrow Comes Today, this is, again, that kind of cinematic That track. feel, yeah. Yeah, you can imagine, really, this is kind of almost reverse-engineered from the comic visuals back to the song kind of thing. Um uh, November has come, has Doom on it at uh, his peak, so that just gets included automatically. And um, Dare, Dare is a funny one because I uh, what you were saying before about singles within the album structure being stronger. I think Dare is that one. I think Dare is that one because actually when it was on the radio around that time, that is from memory that is the time that Scissor Sisters hit really big here. Um, do you remember Scissor Sisters? I know of them, but I don't know. I've heard anything okay. from them. Like, they, I know about them. Absolutely, were huge here. Their debut album was just so big. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like four or five massive singles from it, and Dare sounds exactly like that. <laughs> so when it came on the radio, I often used to confuse it for Sisters. Sisters. I thought it was like, oh yeah, there's that. That's another one. And then I was like, oh, hang on, that's Gorillas, right? So mm-hmm. that was a little bit jarring. So within the album, I, I do think it works better, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's those are the f- no, no El Mañana. No, I kind of again. You know what? I'm not sure if there's a cynical element to the gorillas as well. Sometimes when they're kind of targeting various markets around the world, like the Latin American market, uh-huh. uh, and and then there's other part. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. This, so you think? So you think El Mañana was targeting like Latin? Because there's a Latin part in that song to me. It's kind of like a like like a like a like a languid like a. Like, sad-ass song. Like, I don't hear that. I mean, I hear a, a tiny bit. Like, so I cry. So you think that's kind of like a It's almost song? like, to, to me, it's his version of, like, an El Mariachi, um, like, death wow. song in, in wow. Desperado. That kind of thing. Wow. I don't know. I might be completely off base there. Nah, you, what you feel is what you feel. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Either, either, no, it's either not that I don't like the song. It's yeah. just that it's not, mm. like, in my... You know, like, like, you said, like you said, the album is... is let me ask you a question. You, if you play the song, if you play the album throughout, would you skip that track? If it no, no, no. I wouldn't skip. Okay, that. All right. Okay. So I, I wouldn't. That. I pretty much wouldn't skip any track. There's only. I mean, do you let, have a track you, if you well, you get into it, and then I'll point okay. out. I'll say. I'll say if there's any ones that I would actually skip. All right. So how do you feel about the opening? Opening how it starts with that whole like that whole uh, Dawn of the Dead music. Yeah. <laughs> how you feel? When you first when you first heard that, what do you think? 
When you first played it's, the album, and you heard. Do you know what? It kind of reminded me of Dr. Dre, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Dr. Dre, two thousand and one. That kind of like when you're you're literally supposed to be in a theatre, yeah. Because yeah. I think even on this one, it's like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. and yeah. it's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> gotcha. Mm. Yeah. What do, you, what, what do you think about um, the Last Living Souls? Um, I think it's building. I think the first few tracks on this one are more of a kind of obvious build to the crescendo of, of like tracks four and five. Whereas I think on the on their debut album like you said the first half of it is very consistent and it has a unified sound this doesn't this is kind of it's a, it's a narrative in a sense in it's a sense. very yeah that's exactly the word there's a narrative it's deliberately building there's more of a story to this album um you know even kids with guns featuring nana cherry i mean that's actually not one of my favorite songs but oh no I, no i said i like it i perfectly like it but in terms of i think what i'd say about this is the highs on this album are so high that sometimes I get stuck on them, you know? Okay, sometimes gotcha. when I get to track number six, it's like, okay, this is feel good. I'm going to repeat this for like two hours in a row and forget <laughs> about the rest of the album, you know? Gotcha. So it's kind of like, you know, maybe that's like a problem with it that, you know, it, it, it's perhaps a little bit top heavy because the first half is... What? Ha- the first half has pretty much all these singles except Dare, right? And so if the singles all- are so strong, it's kind of like, well, okay maybe they could have spaced it out a little bit better. So, you, so you're so you not down with... What? You're not down with White Light? Yeah, but again, you're talking about two minutes. You're talking, what's interesting about this is there's, there's like... That's two minutes and eight seconds long. Yeah. Again, the, the kind of... The end of the album featuring the London Community Gospel Choir, right? Track yeah. 14 is two minutes long, right? Uh, and then the, the kind of end end, which is track 15. Demon is Days. Minutes. Yeah, Demon Days is four and a half minutes long. So it's kind of the, you know, it's quite a playful structure. And I love the album from front to back. However, yeah. I, I do feel that it is, it is top loaded. I'm the time. opposite. I'm the complete opposite. I think the bottom half is superior to the top part. I think. I'm, oh, wait, it, wait, wait. I'm not saying superior. I did not say one was better. Oh, no, 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 I'm no. Saying, no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that saying... the first half has the hits in it effectively, right? And then the second half is much more experimental. I mean, Jesus, you just have to listen to the last three tracks. You know, Dennis Hopper shows up. So yeah, clearly, exactly. clearly yeah. it's it's supposed <laughs> to be more instrumental. So. Or All Alone with, uh, with what's her name? Mar- Marlena Topley. Is that Marlena or Mar- Marley? Uh, Martina Marlena? Topley Bird. Okay, got you. Yeah. Like, oh, I love that song. When that part comes out, I lose my mind, man. Yeah. Well, she's brilliant. She's a genius. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Roots Maneuver. Or is that how you pronounce the name? Yeah, yeah. Roots Maneuver, yeah. Got you. Roots Maneuver is one of the originators of UK hip hop. Not like as in like back in the day, back in the day, but he's one of the ones who really started to mold it into something great, you know? All right. Is he more well known than Bashi and Kano? Because I, I have. Is he more well known to those guys? Ba- Bashi has completely died down. Okay. He he had like he had a little glimpse of fame. Then he had one big song, and okay. then to me, that's pretty much it. Like he he was never a great album. Kano um, has had ebbs and flows, but like right now, he just released an album last year that's got nominated for the. I think it's got nominated for the Mercury Music Prize actually. Okay. Um, and it's called Man of the Manor, uh, or Man in the Manor, something like that. And um, Kano is someone with such ridiculous talent. It's just not fair. It's kind of like that guy is so good. And really he should be 
20 levels above where he is right now but everyone in the uk still knows who he is and he's popular and stuff like that but really he should be a world star but he's not you know um roots maneuvers more that that at least two generations before or one generation before no two generations before kano is he still known is he still known now or not so much on the underground scene yeah he had one hit that kind of crossed over called uh I don't know, you might have heard it. The instrumental's amazing, right? And it's called, and the chorus goes, "Witness the fitness." Really? Is that was it? Was the name, was the name of the song? I gotta try it out later. It's called "Witness." I think it's called "Witness, Witness? or One Witness." Okay, all right, I'll see that. Um, no, I yeah. haven't heard that one. You'd love the instrumental, actually. You'd, I think, you'd actually really like him. And in fact, um, we're planning to have some guest uh, guest people on this podcast, and one of them wants to do a Roots Maneuver album. So that oh, really? Be quite interesting. Gotcha, yeah, that's, cool. that's quite a good segue there. That's cool. Um, so, I mean, do you, what else do you have to say really about the album? Um, I was just, I was just really impressed at the fact. Is this your favorite one? It's a tie because I have my demon day mood and I have my plastic beach mood. It just depends what mood I'm in. Okay. But but the first album never really comes into it. The the first, okay. Okay. If, okay. I'm I'm, going to give you the grades as, as me as a diehard gorillas fan. And then I'm going to give you the grades as like, as a critic, as a diehard gorillas fan. I give um, the first Gorillaz album an 8.5. I would give Demon Days a 9 and Passive Beach a 9. But if you want me to be like brutally honest and like take myself out of the equation and go mm. in there, then I would say that the first Gorillaz would be like a 7.5, maybe 8. I would say this one is a 9. And then because for, for reasons I know beyond me, because there's a reason why I like the third album so much, I would say that the third album is just just, just a, a couple of notches below this one. For 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 if, if I'm taking myself out of the equation, if I look at it as like a as as like as focused as I can, I would say that. So I would say if if you're taking my gorilla's diehardness out of it, I would say this is the best album. But you put me in my personal thing without any like judgment, then I would say this ties with uh, Plastic Beach for me. For that okay. situation, if that, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, perfect sense. Yeah. But yeah, but like I said, I was I was impressed about how he just to even have a cartoon band and open up the album with like three like three like contemplative songs, and not just start off the bat with like 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 your heavy hitter like your like your heavy hitters and like kind of like okay this song right here because it did because be honest with you when I first played it I was like okay okay this song okay this song and I was like and you listen to those three songs and like okay they're okay and then you go right into then when when Dirty Harry comes they're like okay. And then it kind of like takes off right there. But then once you get, once you acclimate yourself to like those hits and the second half, then you actually start listening, listening to it. Mm. Then those three songs make more sense later on. But I don't, I think those three songs, like if for, for an average listener, would probably throw them off. But I think once they got into the album proper and gave it a couple of spins, I think they would appreciate it a little bit more. So how big was Feel Good over there or Dirty Harry? I think ones, right? I, I think Dirty Harry didn't make much of a splash, but Feel Good was the biggest hit they had over here. Like yeah. everybody was over here listening. Like people didn't. I mean, honest with you, that was a single for them because I mean they sold copies over here, but not as much as you thought they would. But Feel Good Incorporated was ever. I remember we, we went. We were we went to we went to California. Me and my friends went to California when that came out. Yo, and that was everywhere. That was in strip clubs. That was all over the place. <laughs> it was crazy, man. Yeah. Even my brother, who wasn't even a even my brother wasn't even a Gorillaz fan. Feel good. It's like it's so easy. It's like so, it's so damn catchy. 
And that bass line. You know what song you're listening to. Yeah. So yeah, oh, it was... And, and uh, we have to shout out De La Soul. Yeah, oh my, oh, yes. They killed yes. it on that track. They killed it. Yeah. Did you hear the De La Soul album yet? No, I still haven't heard it yet. Got you. Yeah. But yeah, they blew it out the water, man. I was like, holy crap. Uh, kitty, kitty. I don't even know what the hell they saying half the time. No, I'm good. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> you as I never get. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, man. They was killing it. And that video was phenomenal, man. I yeah. think that might. De La Salle always kind of had interesting videos anyway. So them yeah. kind of getting incorporated into this, pardon the pun, worked really well. Yeah. And it's something I felt that on Plastic Beach didn't work quite as well. What, the videos? What, no, when De La Soul popped up. Oh, when De La Soul popped up, gotcha. Oh, okay. oh, oh, we got to get to that one. All right, yeah, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, do you have any kind of closing thoughts on Demon Days? Uh, I, I think when the record book closed, depending on how they, what, what the next album's going to be like, I think that's this is going to wind up being the defining album right here. If, yeah. if, if, when all said and done, unless they unless unless they pull some magic rabbit out their hat with this next album, like holy snap! But you never know, you never know. But I think this is like I think if somebody asked me to like if you want if you wanted to get into gorillas, I would say, and they said if, if you had one gorillas album to listen to and that was it, I would give them this one with no problem, no hesitation whatsoever. I would say. Do you know what I wouldn't actually? No, really. No, I would cheat. You would, I would cheat. Give, I would give them the singles collection. Oh my! Now nah, you gotta do an album. Sorry, that's cheating. That's cheating. An album. Okay. All right. If it's yeah. an album, then yeah, definitely. So there's okay. no no gotcha. comparison. Yeah. yeah, you can't do singles. Get out of here. Come <laughs> on. That's the cheatest of the cheats, man. <laughs> Come on. So if we go into um, should we go into Plastic Beach then? Yeah. 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 From 2010. Mm-hmm. Now. I'll give my kind of hot take on this. Okay. For me, this is by far, Light Years, in fact, their most cohesive album. Even though there are no big singles, which basically meant that it didn't sell very much at all, right? I th- I think that from start to, pretty much start to finish anyway, this comes on leaps and bounds from their previous two, even Demon Days, right? In terms of the technical skill with which it's yes. put together. I agree. And it's musically fascinating because it jumps all over the place. However, right, <laughs> to quote Rashad um, from other podcasts, it is prone to musical wankery. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! I, I, I can't wait to hear what you call musical wankery. I can't wait for this one. And <laughs> and I, I do think that um, they fall back on the technical brilliance of this album a bit too much. I think, I think at times it's kind of like, okay, I know all about how to structure an album in an incredibly innovative and technical way. That's fine, uh-huh. right? But okay. can, you back, can you back it up, right? And the main problem with this album was on the, on the just absolute Occam's Razor point of view, there were no singles. There were no singles on this album, and they were they were an outfit that traded on singles. You know, at least two giant ones from each of their previous albums. You know, usually three or four, really. Um, and this had none, not one. That's all right. That's, I give you that's why it didn't sell. And you know, so there you go. And if if I kind of go into the key tracks from there, because I have okay. a feeling you're going to have a lot to say about this album. Oh my god! Um, I'd I'd go for uh, White Flag. Fantastic. Which is. 
you see, the thing is, most deaf is on this album. The artist yes. normally known as most yes. deaf, anyway. Uh-huh. Now, he released um, The Ecstatic around 2009, I think it was. In fact, I think I, re- I reviewed that for rap reviews, right? And uh, I loved that album, except I felt that it was too long and too all over the place. The, but there were moments of genius on that, right? And this this song is just completely like that. I'm surprised it doesn't have most deaf on it, to be perfectly honest. That well, my flag? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's just the most, most uh, deaf kind of thing I'd ever heard, to be honest. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'd say Empire Ants is... Yes very interesting because of just that electronica slant and, and that flip and that flip the flip to it is really <laughs> kind of you know gorillas do kind of make a habit of taking you by surprise especially yes. even by this point in the album it's only track track seven yeah um so i'm not going to say it's unexpected you know you're kind of expecting some sort of but that's a nice surprise. flip you but it's it beautiful like... the way they flipped yeah. it is beautiful yeah i think it's mm-hmm. one of the best points on the album mm-hmm. um some kind of nature i think it's always nice to hear lou reed okay, that's good. I, th- I think he works on that well because you know if you're bringing back bobby womack and you're bringing back lou reed i'm not sure womack worked as well as lou reed i don't know for me um on melancholy hill I actually don't think it's a great single at all, and it, it tanked as a single here. Actually, um, I, I agree with that. That should not have been a single. I like the no. song. But I, I like don't, the song. I, 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 I was like, like, what were they thinking? I, yeah, I was like, what were they thinking with that one? I was like, I was like, that's an album track. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, there's like other songs. ones. They're kind of. It's almost like they're trying to destroy the gorillas. Like, you know, <laughs> and I think that was the narrative, wasn't it? That, I don't know. We'll get into that later. But I think I'm, that was supposed to be the narrative. That it's like, you know this is the group kind of destroying itself and arguing and blah, blah. And that's why, you know, that's what the story was spun as from memory. Anyway. Um, the last one is, uh, plastic beach. Um, I don't know. I just, I just really like that song for me. Actually, it's kind of the natural end point of the album. For me, there's still three songs after it. And I kind of felt that was another problem with the album. It didn't need to be so long. It could have just ended at plastic beach. And I thought that was, that was a great, end point for it um but yeah that's i mean that's pretty much most i want to jump i want to jump right to your wanker go on, let's go, go on, let's go, go there go. let's go right oh, there let's shit. get to which songs which songs do you think are the ones that are like that that are like okay musical masturbation or you what were the ones you were talking about i'd go for stylo stylo you know i will give you know what i will give you you know what i would go for I, I, super I, fast jellyfish as well uh, i don't know well go ahead I give you um I think some of the, the final songs, actually, some of the final songs, I don't know, like even Cloud of Unknowing, I don't, I don't know. I'm just. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I qualify you this one. I will, I won't argue about the the cloud, the cloud of unknowing. Um, uh, I know you're talking about those last three ones. I will. I liked them. I, I think they, I fit. I think they fit the melancholy part of the end of the album. Yeah. But I can understand you not feeling those. Super fast jellyfish. I don't know about, but I'll say those three things. We'll go because I thought you were going to say sweepstake. You said sweepstake. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Oh no, 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 no. I don't think sweepstakes is a musical wankery song. <laughs> I don't think it's the best song. I, I like it, but I don't think it works. I don't think the some of its parts work particularly well as a whole there's something off about it there's some and it's one of those songs that i know something's supposed to be off but it's the thing that's 
actually off is off, right? I, I, <laughs> if that makes any kind of, of sense. I, I know you're talking about because that's the whole point of the song is to be off. Yeah, oh, that is the whole point of it. But it's the wrong thing is off, basically. He said the wrong thing is off. Sweepstakes. I used to blast that shit. Ding, 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 ding. You're a winner. Ding, 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 ding. You're like, what the fuck? I love that that, that flip on there when it goes to that, that fucking fest, that festival of fools kind of situation. You're a winner, sweepstakes. Sun, moon, and star, and y'all. I just love that shit. Right, but, but, I, I feel like they got most deaf at the right time, but put them on the yeah. wrong songs. He said put you them know, on the wrong songs. He, he's supposed to be on white no, flag. It's no white flag. It's no white flag. I give you that much. I understand that. Like, white flag is just incredible. Like, but. like, I kept thinking when I was replaying this, I wasn't looking at the actual, like, who was on what song and stuff. So when yeah. White Flag came on and Kano's on, right? And I was like, okay, Bashy. I was like, why is Bashy on this song and not Most Deaf? You know, <laughs> to me, it made no sense. To me, Most Deaf versus Kano on this song is like yeah. epic, absolutely yes. epic. Um, or maybe trying to keep two British voices on the same track. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I just don't think. I mean, do you, all respect due to Bashy you know he has mm. had a couple of great moments in his career mm. but outside of that he's not an elite rapper you know he's not okay gotcha all right so what about glitter freeze um <laughs> oh my god oh my. Maybe, maybe because it's in between empire ants and some kind of nature that i kind of got lost on this track you know you know what's funny today i was walking around london it was an incredibly humid day like london doesn't really get humid and today it was only like 20 degrees but everyone was sweating through their shirts and it was really bizarre and i was listening to this and empire ants got me really in the zone i was like yeah yeah and then glitter freeze broke my zone <laughs> what oh my god i love but i can freeze. understand it's not that i don't like it i don't know it's just this, this it's is the flow, this the flow, it, it, it killed this the flow it, 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 the flow killed you the this flow is why this album is weird you know at some point you needed just like a huge single to come in and just lift the whole album right it just never comes it just never and even like the instrumental on stylo i love yeah but but they messed everything else up Got you. See, because of me, I'm a person who don't care about singles. Like, if they, if an album is good, it's good to me. Like, if single, I understand what you're saying. If you're talking about the construction of an album, and like, and, and like traditionally, you want to have a couple of singles on there, like three, or like like at least three singles on there to kind of like, to kind of like, like lift you back up. I get that part. I understand that. But I guess because of me, because singles are irrelevant. If they're to me, what matters is if if if, if the album is consistent in its in its songs is 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 the um. Not so much the technicality of the album, but if, there, if there's if, if it's consistent and it's like it's, and it's like the theme kind of fits. Like I appreciate the theme of an album as much as I do, much more than I do the singles. If you if you give me a whack track, I don't care how much it fits into the album, then it's like a whack track. But I don't think there was like whack tracks. Like I will give you this. I will give you this argument. This is why I said I, I could recommend Demon Days over this one. I know there are songs. Like for me, I loved all the songs on this album. But I know for the average person, if you gave the average person Plastic Beats and let them play, I guarantee you they may be like, if, if I'm lucky, the average person, I'm being brutal with Plastic Beats now, they'll maybe like, maybe like, maybe five songs off the whole album, maybe five songs. If you just, if you, and you gave like a first, like one or two spins, somebody played it. Okay. They'll probably get like, okay, they may be like the opening with Snoop Dogg, probably like, okay, wow, Snoop Dogg's rapping, blah, blah. And then it goes in the white flag, like, oh shit, white flag. And then Stylo comes on, and Stylo is one of them songs where it's like, I don't understand why they made that a single either, because that's kind of like so laid back. It's like, who's going to get excited by Stylo? Oh, Stylo, fresh. Because I, 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 I remember they, like, the original track on it was supposed to be Electric Shock, 
I don't know if you heard that that demo. And Electric Shock was kind of like mm-hmm. like a lot was a lot more like energetic. And then they kind of like toned down the energy to it. it was like who's low? fresh. And then there's that whole entire thing where I guess um they got in trouble because he stole like the sample. He didn't pay for the sample of it. I forgot who the guy was. It was a sample, and I guess they they dealt with it outside of court because he basically like lifted it from like I heard the original track and like wow he lifted the hell out the song, and then I guess they kind of like dealt with it outside of court or whatever coming in. I will give you that one with the with the singles. I'm like, who thought of? I mean, who? What record? What record of Zach thought that Stylo and Melancholy Hill were going to fit? Or, no, like, but you know, listen, that's not down to a record exec. That's down to what was presented to them, right? Now, here's the thing. This is the first album, I'd say, pretty much full stop in 20 years of Damon Albarn's career that has no obvious singles on it. So it's not about... There's two points I want to make, right, before we carry on to the next point. This isn't about being kind of a palatable album for your average listener right i totally get that it, it's <laughs> it's an intriguing twisting turning album like you know yes. pitchfork gave it a great review and stuff like that that's fine right however Albarn is someone who trades on singles right he has done his whole career and this album to me felt like someone needed to come in at some point and say no no you've gone a bit too far here you've gone okay. a bit too far you need to rein it in now something like demon days he he messed with the parameters, right? But he kept within the boundaries of the album and individual songs. That's why it worked so well. Here, he went too far to the left, then he went too far to the right. And he just, it's too sloppy. It's too sloppy. That album just oscillates so wildly, you know. And then, second of all, again, no singles. You know, listen, first of all, this is what Gorillas, the first album, sold 7 million copies. Yeah. Seven million is a big number, right? Demon Day sold eight million copies, right? And these are slightly old figures, so, you know, it might even be updated. This one sold, like, what? I think 500,000 or something like that? Or or, or something crazy, something crazy. Or at least, uh, I know The Fall sold practically nothing. I don't even even count The Fall. The Fall was not even on my register. But, wait, wait, that low? It didn't bring a million? We got seven million for okay. gorillas. We got eight million for Demon Days. We got one point three million for Plastic Beach. Jesus, one point three. And for the fall, we got one hundred and seventy thousand. Nobody was buying that. Come on, man. That I mean, was, that was that was like a fans thing, right? Yeah, that was a bunch of demos, man. Come on. He was like on a he was like on a on a road, just like that's now. If you want to talk about? Well, we're not going to talk about it, but if you want to talk about like musical wankery. You could talk about the fall, because that's what that's what I'm talking about right there. He went off the deep end with that one. It was like this plink, plink, plink. Wait, I don't know if you ever heard. Did you ever listen to uh, the fall? Uh, no, I haven't. I've never listened to it. Maybe, I mean, maybe you have a different opinion of it than I do. But, yeah. But but if we bring it back to Plastic Beach yeah, before we yeah. wrap it up, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, album sales have nothing to do with critical oh, acclaim no, I, or beautiful artistry that. or anything like that. However, the thing is, is that it's such a drop-off from... Demon Days to Plastic Beach because there are such clear deficiencies in the album, even though, as I said before, it's technically their best album, right? Um, I totally accept that and I, I agree that, you know, artistically, I think it does things that none of their albums have ever done, uh, none of the other ones. So, yeah, that's fine. However, it still missed things, that's the point. And I still think it it, it needed constraint. It needed a bit more constraint, you know? 
and it's interesting to see what they'll do next next year um you know i have a feeling that <laughs> they'll they'll include two or three big singles again i know de la souls with it again yeah yeah i heard a couple other people forgot who they were but yeah they, i mean who went i'm pretty sure people want to jump at the heels of me on the girls album so yeah so yeah so we'll see what happens with that so I mean that wraps up the three albums pretty much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, if we briefly talk about uh, what the other kind of stuff was, like the G sides, D sides, the fall, the singles collection. Um, I mean, I, out of those, I've only listened to the singles collection. Um, it's quite funny. The other day we had people around, and uh, I was playing the Gorillas single collection, and um, there's some problem with my Chromecast. So basically, my phone stops right playing it, but the Chromecast remembers it and just keeps on playing it until you literally have to pull the plug out. So it played it four times in a row, the singles collection, and that kind of drummed in just how astonishing it is. It's it's absolutely brilliant. Now, I don't think Gorillas are exclusively a singles band, not at all. I think there's great stuff on their albums, right? However, I'm I'm gonna give it to my um, little 18-year-old cousin and be like, because I don't think he's ever listened to Gorillaz, I'm going to be like, okay, what do you think of this singles collection, just as an experiment? And my feeling is that he's going to lose his mind, right? So I'll kind of update you down the line at some point with that. But um, how about the G-sides and the D-sides? I mean, there, the, the G-sides one is is okay. Um, there's a couple of uh, tracks. If you've heard 1, 2, 1, 2, D3, I like that one. It's kind of like a like the, the guitar, and he's like one, two, D, three. It's like it's like a nice little like. Yeah, I did like, actually. I did hear. That. Yeah, like I think that's the best thing to come out of that thing. I mean, number two and three would be the because um, over here we didn't get the uh, Soul Child thing on uh, the original album, so that was on there. And mm-hmm. then uh, we had the Latin Simone from uh, David Ar- Damon Arbon doing his version with there, and then the rest of it was kind of like like touch and go a little bit with that one. But I think those three were the ones that I. That I took from it, the one two D three, uh, the Soul Child mix, and uh, the Latin Simone Damon Damon Berman. The the uh, D sides is, I think if you listen to D sides, and you listen to Plastic Beach, he was on his way to doing that. D sides sounds like that's where he was going. That's where he wanted to go. I guess I, it seemed like he didn't. When you, when you pop in D sides, like he was not interested in singles at all. If you listen to D sides, I don't know if you ever heard D sides. Have you? No. Yeah, if you listen to D sides, you you kind of get an idea of like he was going in that plastic beach direction anyway. Because if you think about it, at the plastic beach, where does he do the good, the bad, and the queen? And that even goes even more off the deep end. If you if you want to if yeah. you want to talk about, it. so I think he went off on that. I don't want to do pop songs for a while now. He wants to be. I think D sides was the beginning of him. Like I want to be more. I want to be a serious artist. And I'm going to find ways to do it, whether through a cartoon band or whether it's to the other guy. You know what I'm trying to say? I think he was. I think he was going that route for a little bit, but I think he's not going to go that route with um, with the next album. I think that's enough of that. I think, but I think with Blur and stuff like that. But I will say I did enjoy the um, the uh, the Matic song that he had with that with that with that. What's the guy's name? Daily. It was like a little like like a little extra song off of Plastic Beach, but it wasn't on there. And he kind of like threw it in at the last minute. I don't know if you heard that song. No, yeah, it's, it's not on Plastic one. Beach. It's not on Plastic Beach, but it's kind of like it's kind of like at the end of it. It was like another video, but it was kind. You could you could tell that they didn't have the money for the animation, so all they had was two uh, D, just like saying the saying the chorus over and over again, all basically. Passes right. like that, and then they had the one with um, uh, what's uh, Andre three thousand and um, what's the other guy, 
Bear Grylls. There's a song called uh, Do Your Thing. I don't know if you heard that one either. Bear Grylls? Yeah, Bear Grylls. Yeah, it was like him and Andre 3000. It's like three versions. It's like a five-minute version. It's like a seven-minute version. It's like a 12-minute version of it. Bear Grylls is the guy who does the adventure kind of programs and stuff. No, hold up. Not Bear Grylls. It's, a, it's some guy. Some some dude. Hold up. Yeah. No, this guy is a James Murphy James Mur- from LCD. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I did yeah. hear that. Yeah. 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 I don't know why I said, where bro Grylls come from? What the hell? I pulled that from like the, the, the outer <laughs> reaches of my brain. What the hell? But yeah, nah. But um, but I think that I think the D size was the one where he got a little more experimental. I don't know if you heard the song called Hong Kong. No. It's a sad ass song, man. It's like nine minutes long. It's like sad as shit. Yeah, wow. give that one a shot. But yeah, but you can but you can hear that he was going that route if you listen to that D size album. And the less t- the less said about the fall, the better. So that's the okay. that. Yeah. Right. So I tell you what, if we continue on towards the artwork and the legacy of their artwork just that everything because you're going to be the expert on this um i mean if i kind of give my 10 cents on it it was fascinating to have a virtual band and um it clearly brought in elements of graffiti into everything now jamie hewlett was a renowned kind of street art i don't know i don't know how to say it i mean i kind of street artist is that right i mean not in terms of actually spray painting walls and stuff but in terms but of a style that. but a stylistics yeah that kind of stylistic thing yeah um i do know that there was a bit of a backlash towards the style um seeing as it was kind of nowadays we're used to this whole appropriation argument right oh uh, yeah back then it kind of got brought up a little bit actually i have to say yeah yeah, it did a little bit. Um, not not in a huge, huge way, but some people just didn't like it. Some people didn't mess with it, I have to say. So, I mean, that that's pretty much it. But I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But obviously, you're, you're going to be a lot deeper into it. So you can- Yeah, because I don't think over here anybody really said anything about that stuff at, at all. I think people liked the style. I mean, even if they didn't like the gorillas, I, I never met a person that saw the gorillas artwork and said that was terrible or it was like in bad taste or whatever like that. To us, it's like, okay. It was, like, it was cool. Like, matter of fact, it was crazy because... Each time with each album, the style got more sophisticated in some different way. Like the style in the, the original Gorillaz album is kind of like it's straightforward for Gorillas, like the way they're drawn and like that. And then you look if you look at the the video for um for Clint Eastwood and how they're drawn, and look at Noodle. And like, I, I'll say this: if you look at the way Noodle's drawn each time, you'll see how different stylistically that he goes with a certain things. They get more detailed, more nuanced. Like when you see her back in um Feel Good video and she's older, it's a little more complex. And then you look at her at, in the um, at the, uh, the on Melancholy Hill video, like she's even more complex. Like he kind of like it's kind of like he stayed within the same style, but it got more sophisticated each time in a sense. So even even though people said that it looked all similar, but if you took a closer look, you would see how much he progressed with each different style, in a sense, with there. So I love that style. Anything, but I don't think there was really an appropriation argument. Sometimes that sometimes I think people. I don't want to go too much into it. <laughs> I, I just think sometimes certain people, certain people, because there there are cases of 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 disrespectful appropriation. But then there is just a thing where it's like the human race. We take things from each other all the time. As long as you show respect for where it came from, it shouldn't be a problem. But there's this group of people right now 
that if anything even looks like it, it's like, okay, that's probably like, but no, we, 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 we trade, that's the nature of humanity. One group learns something, we take it, we flip it into something. You know what I'm saying? It's like that, it, it, humanity would be born if, like, the, the greatest thing about humanity is two things. Like, we're all different, but we're all the same, and we all take things, we make old things new. You know what I'm trying to say? So, yeah. it's, that, it's that kind of thing. So, for any, especially people who listen to rap, should shouldn't have too much of a problem with it as long as as long as the people who are who are quote unquote appropriate in it respect rap music because we we basically took old shit and made it new anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like we literally took old shit and made it new. We took other people's shit. But but, but some would argue, okay, but they took our shit. So we took their shit. <laughs> so it all goes in so, so we all take shit from each other. Why can't we why can't we all take a happy shit together? How about that? <laughs> 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 all right, all right, hang on. Getting back to the artwork. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, what kind of what kind of works outside of the music videos are there that you delved into? Art artwork related things. There's a couple of things where they did a they did a they did a, a performance at one of these war shows with uh, with Dirty Harry, where um, you have the kids in the choir over there, and then you have like the the string section over there, and then you have like you you have like this big screen. And they're they're in three D basically they're they're three D animated they're not like the the thing right there and you see um uh, it's kind of like that 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 little like mod kind of feel to it and it's like yeah. you have you literally, you literally have Burdock sliding right into the screen like jock forward so he's just like literally slide like like so you have kids on one side you have this string section on one side you have Murdoch sliding to the screen with his with his junk in your face basically I'm like who the hell is getting away with you know what I'm saying? It's like who the hell is getting away with this stuff? I like the performance that they did with um, Madonna, where she was uh, dancing with uh, uh, 2D. I forgot which award show it was, but she was like it was like it was like her in front of a screen, but the way they shot it, it made it look like she was actually in the same space with 2D. So they kind of did that thing right there. They did a lot, a lot of interesting things with the um, with their stage show, especially the um, I like the Demon. I seen the Demon Days one. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, one. so so hang on. You've actually been to one of their concerts, right? I've been I, I went to a plastic beach concert where actually they had the two guys from um the clash there. They I was I, I didn't think they were gonna have most deaf. Most deaf was there. They had um uh De La Soul there, they had a uh, little dragon there. They I mean they pretty much mostly had everybody. They didn't have I don't think they did they have Kano and Bashi? I think they did. I think they were there too. I think they pretty much got everybody who was they missing? They were missing somebody. They didn't get Lou, Lou Reed wasn't there. He wasn't there. But they basically got it there, and it was like basically like a. I don't know. If, I, I I should have brought the. When you hear "Broken Live," it's incredible. Like because they have a horn section, and like the broken song goes over to a horn section, and the horn section is like a whole minute. But on top, on the screen, you have like a like like a giant Russell come out of the water, and he opens his hand, and it's Noodle, and Noodle's like playing some kind of flute instrument. And like as as the as the when it, when the horn section comes in, it starts off with like this dusk setting, and then when the horn section comes in, like the like the whole scene goes to like a like like a twilight kind of feel, and like the wind's blowing to the side, and it's it's incredible right there. Like I thought they put on a really good show, but you could tell that I think what happened with Plastic Beach. Another thing that happened with Plastic Beach. I'll, I'll make this argument is that they were away for so long. There was a generation that didn't know the gorillas. So the gorillas weren't like strike. You know, how you, you got strike when the iron's hot after Demon Days, and they were yeah. going for like how, how long were they going for? Five years. That's what I'm saying. So that's like a whole 
that's like a whole generation of teenagers that grew up and kind of moved on. So they kind of didn't, they kind of didn't like capitalize on those teenagers that like found them with Demon Days. So when this one came out, I think a lot of, I remember in America, a lot of people weren't anticipating the album because a lot of those people who were De- who were Gorillaz fans kind of like moved on to the next thing. Yeah. When the Gorillaz albums came out, they were like, and also the, the marketing wasn't as, as pervasive because I think right now at that point in America, people were kind of cutting back on marketing. Because it was so expensive. But, but there was no single to market, that's the thing. If there'd been a big single, feel-good kind of level, they would have marketed it, but there wasn't, and they knew it. So so from a technical point of view, to the concert you went to, right, how did it all work? Because I've never been to one of their concerts. Okay, so basically you have, so basically if you go into it, it's like, if you look on the stage, there's this, there's this big, like, these neon, this neon gorilla sign. It's like the G-O-R-I... Uh, so it's like in that bright blue and then on top of that and, it, and that and that's like actual real that's large i think that's probably like like eight feet tall probably each letter's eight feet tall on stage and then above it is like this big screen like like above it so it shows like for example like when it says welcome to the plastic beach you have snoop dogg rapping on the screen like he wasn't there either but they had him like on like wearing like this like this pirate suit or whatever like that and he's rapping it while the actual like uh like the actual uh, musicians on the stage are playing it out right there because I think he had like that that Arabian orchestra with him. The I think was it was it an Iranian orchestra? I think it was. And he had them over there. He had um, the two guys from the, the the clash on the other side with the, with the, with a drummer. So he had like the band on one side. They had the orchestra on the other side, which was the uh, left side. And then you had him in the middle with a bunch of like 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 um. What I'm trying to say. Cause I'm not good with the te- I'm not good with the uh, the, the different uh, technical like you know how like you yeah. have like your D- your DJ equipment but it's not the DJ stuff it's like the sampler it's like it's like this like this crazy ass sampler they had on there it wasn't a DJ set but it was like a crazy sampler with these sounds ready to go and he was like messing around with it kind of thing right there so he had one of those on the stage right there and then whenever somebody whenever somebody would come out they would come out the side where the band was at and then come in and then the order to do the stage changes. They would kind of like let the stage go black, and it would be like like a like like a mini storyline. For example, like like two to be locked away somewhere, and then like the rest of them are trying to get them out. Trying to say like so it's like a, like in between like the major changes of like the the like the show, like they would have like a little skit on the top of the screen right there doing okay. kind of situation right there. So, so do you like think that. it worked pretty well then? I thought it was I thought it worked incredible. I think if they like you said if they had a single, I think it was a great show. My friend argued this. My friend argued this because we were kind of sitting a ways back. Because my friend was into Gorilla. I, I give you my friend example. Me and my me and my friend Pete. Me and my friend. I give you an example, and then maybe you can you can get a better idea. Me and my friend Pete and my friend Mike went to a MIA concert when Maya came out, and they had, and they said that was one of the best concerts they ever went to because she was going buck wild in there. They liked the it was like it was like a, like a smaller venue, and they were packed in there. So my friend and mind you, my friend Pete never went to concerts. That was like his first concert he went to. Then he went to the Gorillas concert, and technically it was great. But he said he preferred the intimates, the it, the intimacy of the MIA concert as compared to like that technical, like like you know what I say. He felt like he was yeah. more into the show. So I think so. Going by him, he's going by that. But like, by, I went to a lot of concerts, so I'm a concert guy. By any standards, I think I would say that I, I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's not even a Gorillaz fan not to enjoy that show right there. Yeah, because the, yeah. the band was impeccable. But with that being said, um, your that kind of proves your point that the reason why so many people weren't there is because there wasn't nothing to bring those people to it. 
Okay, so if we fast forward to potentially the next album, right? Mm-hmm. And okay, whatever they do on the album, they do, right? Yeah. The live show. How far do you think technology would advance? To do you think they might have holograms and stuff like that, or some? I really don't know fancy because shit? it depends. Because it depends. Because I heard that they kind of lost money on the tour. Like the expenses were outweighing the actual profit. Uh. So, so I don't know what's going to happen because that because look, if you look on that stage, there is some money spent on that stage. I think if they, I think. If they did that show with Demon Days, I think that would have been a, a legendary tour. If, if they did that kind of setup with Demon Days, because here's the thing. I think what happened with Plastic, I, I got a theory. I think with Plastic Beach, even without the singles, they were banking on that if people heard the Grillers of back, the people would flock to the show. And I think they invested their money thinking that people would flock to the show regardless of a single. And then they found out that that wasn't the case. I think that's what happened. Because I remember there was, there was supposed to be a video for Rhinestone Eyes. And that got canceled. I remember there was like like will be two other videos, and they were supposed to be expensive, and and then all of a sudden their 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 record company started cutting back on their expenses because they were losing money on that in a sense. And I think part of it that that was the part where Jamie Hill was getting pissed off because he was kind of he was kind of more on the artistic side, and they were cutting his side back, whereas Damon was able to do that whole put a lot of the money into that touring and going around there because he had to pay all those people, man. That's a lot of money, man. To kind of go up there and that whole technology stuff like that, I would love. I think they could top that. I think they can, but I don't know. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can. They can justify the cost in this climate. I'm not sure, but I would love them to. I think they can, but I don't know. Saying what I'm saying, do you think that would be possible? <laughs> if you're the exec, if you're the exec, and you see that that show didn't make as much money as you thought it was going to make. And if you start cutting back, are you going to be very like stingy with the purse? I think your original point stands because from 2005 to 2010, the music industry just collapsed effectively. And but right now, I think it's it's off life support, and there are massive signs of life, right? So if they came back, they've probably timed it pretty well, and that's a conscious decision. I would have thought. However, they need the singles to back it up. Gotcha. They need singles. So how many singles do you think they would? Uh, so, so, so if you're if you're the guy if you're the guy talking to them, what would you say to them? As long as they've got one giant single, you know, I don't think they'll ever do something like feel good again because that was just a unique moment. But if they've got like one really big single that hits and then another big one after that that's that's pretty good, I think that's enough. I think that's enough because don't forget they've still got they've got an entire back catalogue. Catalogue, yeah. Of singles alone, forget all the other album material. But they got to grab the kids. They got to grab the kids this time. Yeah, they do. They definitely do. Because the old school fans are not going to are not going to not be able to support them going on tour like that. It's the people. I don't know. You say you say that right, but you know, some of us just didn't get the chance, or it wasn't on our radar to go. So you would go. So so gorillas. So magic question: If a gorillas tour came out, regardless of what the album was, would you go see it this time? I'm I'm pretty sure I would. I'm pretty sure I would. If if I heard that the technical aspect of it was going to be amazing, if it was just you know some white screens and projectors (laughs) and stuff, then I'd be like, no. You know. Oh, not like that first one. No, it was. It was. I know what you're talking about. It was nothing like that one. Oh my god, they were hiding behind the screen and shit. Nah, yeah, yeah. But but if it's gonna be like you know like a hollow pack kind of thing, right? Then yeah, in a real production, then I I would go. I definitely would. I think it would just be a great experience, you know. Which kind of leads me on to my final point, which is the legacy of them. Now they were the first kind of real virtual band and. They mixed a lot of sensibilities. You know, you've got the street art sensibility. You've got 
indie you've got rap you've got trip hop you've got so many different things and god you bring in plastic beach and you've got another hundred different genres of music right bring in the live show bring in the the fact that they kind of remove themselves from certain things like they got nominated for a mercury prize and they actually said no we don't want to be more <laughs> they said no here's the nomination back that kind of thing you know now what's what is their legacy because have there been other acts who've kind of done similar things or i think it's nearly impossible at this point for somebody uh, unless unless it's somebody so unless the art style and the way it works is so different from what how they went about it let's say unless somebody came from an angle that wasn't gorillas where it was like it, I, 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 i'll make this analogy they can't do what it is i'm bringing i'm gonna do a comic book analogy they can't do what dc's doing like like Marvel. Marvel got there first with the whole entire everybody's connected this and that in the, in the, in the cinema. And DC tried to do it. And it's, got, it's kind of like, in a sense, the law of diminishing returns. Even though DC's making money, Marvel's the one that kind of got there first and did it. So, DC, I feel like DC went the wrong route. They should have went another angle. Don't play them at their game come from another direction. So I think, going back to the Gorillas, if somebody were to do that, they can't do it the way Gorillas did it. It had to come from it from an angle that people go, wow, I've never seen it before. It had to be like a fresh angle. I think I don't think they can do like the, the fictional band thing like the gorillas did. I think they have to do something completely different at this point. Because obviously I'm because I'm really you know, I'm really interested now to see if anybody did try and it just didn't like take off. You know what I'm trying to say? Because that takes a lot of money. Unless there's somebody in their base unless there's somebody in their basement doing it. This is one of like them YouTube things where somebody's doing something similar to that and but they just can't they don't have the funding to go on tour. Or make a full album or something like that. But could you not see a point where technology gets so good? So imagine the CGI of 1992 where Terminator 2 comes out, right? Yeah. Fast forward that today, you could probably do that on your iPhone, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not, but... I mean, not not, not to that, but we don't talk about it. I know what you're saying, yeah. But, you know, you could certainly do CGI. You could could do a hell of a lot on your own computer for a fraction of the cost, right? Um, If you take that forward, say, 20 years... Um, what's to preclude a band like if you look at someone like the Black Eyed Peas right now imagine that they weren't real people in the flesh yeah that they were just kind of masterminded by some you know some great sing yeah you've got like some great singer who's playing Fergie's role you've got some great rapper who's doing that and and effectively they're doing CGI right everything they do is CGI it's like that film Simone with Al Al Pacino and then um you know the the live shows are holograms and all this kind of stuff i mean if you're looking forward 20 years i don't really see why that's not possible it just takes the talent to write it you know you might even have a computer program that can write songs and stuff like that you just don't know i'll take it a step further you wouldn't have to do tours anymore if 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 if, if um if um virtual reality, virtual reality off, yeah says, exactly. then you don't have to go to a tour you can, you, you can basically put your your glasses on and then just be at be at the concert in your damn house and have it where it's like that band's playing. That saves them a lot of money. They don't have to spend the money on like the logistics of touring. You can basically have it in your like like for a certain fee or whatever like that. Okay, they, you can have them in your house, or whatever, blah, blah blah that, and put it right there. And then put your head, put your put your um your headset on, and then they're right there playing for you right there. I can see that a little bit more than I can see because to me right now, I think they're trying to push like a like the Tupac hologram and Michael Jackson hologram and stuff like that. I mean, for me, it's, that's not for me. I like seeing actual people at the yeah. show. But, yeah. but what's not to say that the next generation is going to appreciate that? But I mean, I don't, the thing I, is, is, the thing is, that's a shared experience, right? Yeah, yes. And if you're sharing an experience, but you know that it's fake, then you're all together, kind of looking at a hologram, and it's a bit weird. 
However, you're completely right. If virtual reality, and virtual reality is going to be huge in so many different ways. And if anything, that could be a natural extension for the gorillas to go into, yes. potentially. That'd right? be crazy, yes. I would not be surprised if they're not looking at it like that. I would not be surprised. I mean, what if, if they like- did a live show next year, right? And they, they just left 5,000 virtual reality headsets, Samsung headsets. They're not that expensive now. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and just, um, just put them out and you're sat there or stood there, whatever, and yeah. you've got your headset on. That's crazy, man. That technology is not far away. We're, we're currently recording this. We're recording this in 2016, right? And you can buy a virtual reality headset for $99, a good one. This is crazy thinking about the, the, touring, the touring feel like that, that way. Like the whole point of it is kind of like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but everything's evolved in time. You got to get with the times or, or no get the time. Just wait, gonna- wait till sports comes. Listen, what sports do you like? Imagine that, you, you know, you're going to a basketball game. Imagine you're going to a football game. I'm talking about English football, yeah. right? Instead of us having to sit there and watch sports on TV, yeah, you could put on a virtual reality headset and Yo, have you could be in whatever spot you like, right? You know what kill it? You know what kill it? If they Go did on. that for the Tokyo Olympics, if they had that, if they had that situation ready for the Olympics, where you're like, you could put your your headphones on and you could choose which area you eat, which view you could be at when you're watching it, and it captures like the whole thing during 60 degrees, and you can control your angle of how you want to watch how the swimmers are or how track works. That would be insane. That would be ridiculously insane. I reckon 10%, or maybe not 10%, but 5% of the Tokyo Olympics might just be broadcast like that. Ooh. You know? Because I know I'm going. I know I'm going. I don't care what nobody. Because you, did you see? Uh, I'm just going. This, I can't go off the topic with this one. But That's I'm just it. saying, yeah. Yeah. But now I would love. To, to see something like that. I think girls can kind of, kind of do something like that. Maybe. Like, just have it where you, like, on your PlayStation, you go, okay, here's your PlayStation headset, put it on, blah, blah, blah. You have the gorillas kind of, like, performing or whatever like that. Or even their videos can be in 3D. Like, not even, like, a tour. Just have, like, you can, you can, you can, visit, you can visit Gorilla's World in there. And you go in there, and you go in there, and then you go into this door, it plays, like, so, for example, like, you, um, you go there, it's, like, this town, Gorilla's Town, whatever, for argument's sake. And then each, each house is, like, is, like, a song. So when you open that door to that, 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 that house, you go into that video and you kind of experience that video in a 3D kind of situation. That would be wild. That's like that episode of Girls from the most recent <laughs> series where, um, where what's his name? Kylo Ren, you know, um, yeah. Adam thingy face. Adam, Adam, is, yeah. Adam yeah. Driver. Adam Driver, yeah. Adam Driver, that's it. He's, he's acting in this thing, in this production. Um, I'll, I'll I'll link to the actual episode of it, but yeah, that was a very interesting thing. So you can imagine that virtually. So you don't actually have to go from room to room. You could do it virtually, right? And that's set up for something someone like the gorillas. So um, to be honest, we could spitball on ideas for the gorillas all day, but I think we should we should probably write them down and propose them and get some money from it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, do you have any final thoughts on the gorillas as a whole? Um, I just think that. It's crazy that a crazy ideal as a as a cartoon band would generate so much great music. Like that's just it, it, that's just mind blowing in itself. That some random ideal. Okay, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do an animated uh, animated pop band. And then you legitimize that that animated pop band by writing legitimately good songs. That's incredible because I think the 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 path leaves this is be like just do like a couple of like poppy like and sync. You know what I'm saying? Like like kind of like a. Like that kind of like okay, let's do just the hits of the day kind of thing. Whereas you kind of have some artfulness to this kind of thing, rather than just being like 
appeasing to the lowest common denominator. And they pulled it off. That's incredible. That's what I think. I think if you look at Damon Orban's career arc, right, something like this does make sense in retrospect. However, it's akin to a fish jumping from the water onto land and growing legs. That's the thing. From him going from blur to gorillas, right? Because gorillas is a lot more work than blur was, right? If you're talking about all the kind of different worlds you have to bring into play and master and still deliver a cohesive product and great music. And you're right. I mean, especially on their first two albums for me, they, they really hit the mark popularly. Um, Plastic Beach, I think, is a great album, but obviously it didn't quite hit the mark. But that's fine, you know, that's fine. Um, I think it's something remarkable. And like we were saying before, I'd, I mean, in this generation, it won't be repeated. Maybe in 10, 20 years, when technology moves on and someone else comes and has the cojones to do it, yeah. then then someone else will do it. But I think it's something remarkable. And it's kind of apt that it came in in 2001 because, you know, it's the dawn of the new millennium and stuff yeah. like that, right? Even though the millennium's a, a meaningless date, but it, <laughs> it, it's still it's, it, it, it's, something it's, it's, the psychology, the psychology, the psychology of it. Yeah, that kind of cod psychology of like, yeah, this is the dawn of a new era, and you know, you've got cartoon bands and this right. and that and stuff. So, I think it's something great, and they clearly hit the mark around the world. You're talking their first two albums sold 15 million copies, you know, yeah. in the Napster era. Yeah. So that's impressive in itself. Yeah, that is incredibly great. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it from my part. I think you wrapped it all up really good. Yeah. Um, so, Gorillas, um, we've covered their old work and they will be coming out, so we hear, with some new music in the next <clears throat> year. Um, so, yeah, th- hopefully you've enjoyed this little primer on their past kind of albums and stuff like that and their artwork. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it from us so uh, we are the transatlantic rebels my name is jessel and you've also been listening to Roshar. and we're gonna say peace peace out